This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to episode 130 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the checkup with yours truly, Dr. O, along with our trailer roundup featuring Ana de Armas in Blonde. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 130 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy, Judy. Welcome to episode 130 of TDI. This is Dr. O on the horn to start per usual. All right, We're coming off an onslaught of movie news from the past week. I'm joined by the one and only birthday boy himself, Ricky Flicks. Happy birthday, my friend, my co-host. How are you, my friend? You know, you have the likes of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Christopher Nolan, and Ricky Flicks all having the same birthday. It's... You know, it's a great day for America. It's a great day for the world. I'm just glad to be alongside the two greats, whatever you want to call them, action hero or filmmaker. So it's an honor, or they should be honored to be with me. I don't think I'm there yet, but that's one day this podcast can be on that level. Christopher Nolan, you always talk about how you share a birthday with them, okay? Uh, we can even like make a quick mention of Christopher Nolan in today's episode because... There was a release of his teaser that came out before Nope in cinemas. It finally got released on Twitter. Oppenheimer t- uh, teaser. Felt like it was just for your birthday, kid. Yeah, we saw Yeah, we saw it before Nope. And the first reaction that you said was that was underwhelming. <laughs> and or was it underwhelming or Yeah, it was. It was just it wasn't worth the hype, I don't think. Yeah, worth the hype. Yeah. And I completely agree because I literally said on this podcast hot take. Uh, a hot take saying I wouldn't be looking forward to the trailer before more than nope, which is exaggerated. Yes, I didn't mean that fully. Um, but I did mean how like I was very hyped for it and it gave us nothing, which is good, but I wanted to see a little more. We saw mm-hmm. one two instances of Killian Murphy in the Oppenheimer 1930s suit, right? But that's really it. And we saw a bunch of fire that looks cool. That's pretty much it. And then it's like, oh, like this man, you're going to be the most important man in the world, which is like cool and a nice line that you write for a trailer for a movie. But it's like, is he, though? <laughs> like, Yeah, I was going to say they might be overhyping Oppenheimer a little bit. Yeah, Maybe they're giving him too much, uh, I guess, too much credit and not enough to the supporting cast, to be honest, in terms of the real Oppenheimer and everyone that was around him, including guys like Einstein with the Manhattan Project and what they achieved. So. I mean, honestly, I thought I was more hyped when I saw the poster than I did the actual teaser trailer. The poster is all the time. The poster uh, has Oppenheimer like dead center, but at the same time engulfed in flames. And uh, it gave you the sense that we're still going to be able to see this spectacle from a Nolan movie despite this uh, World War II uh, setting, right, with the uh, Manhattan Project. And that the, the teaser, I think, did a pretty good. Good job ingraining you in that setting. 
All right. Black and white. Are we going to be getting that for the entirety of the movie? All right. Seems like there's a lot. There's a burden on Killian Murphy, right? As Oppenheimer, not only to carry, right? The U.S. to victory in World War II and the Allied powers, but also feels like an actual burden on Killian Murphy with this great supporting cast of people like Matt Damon, right? Um, uh, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Alden Ehrenreich, the whole, the whole supporting Zachy, cast. Quaid. Like, it's yeah, the list goes on and on, but it just does seem like it. Nolan's sending a message that this is really going to be like the Killian Murphy show a little bit, you know. Uh, were you kind of shocked that you didn't see any other mention or any other uh faces after such a hyped cast as so, uh, has been teased? I had two takeaways besides the underwhelming part, but low key happy about how little we saw. Uh, was that one, yes, I completely agree with you that. Yeah, the only person that we saw out of this outrageous cast was Killian Murphy. And that's leaning towards me saying, okay, like this is, he's going to be running this ensemble here. And he's probably like net worth eighth in this cast. I would probably say seventh, seventh, probably. Not including Nolan, too, probably. Yeah, not including Nolan. But like he's going to be the one carrying this. And like I would say, like, yeah, Peaky Blinders, and he's been in other things, right? Um, probably like popularity i would still say seventh like but he's gonna be the one carrying this movie so that that's what this trailer uh leaned to me same with the poster the poster just having him on there with the flames tells me the same signal and my second point which goes along with the poster is that you think atomic bomb the person that makes the atomic bomb what would you have on the poster with the person maybe an atomic bomb I'm happy that they just showed us flames because this shows, like you said, it's going to be a spectacle. It's going to be a known cinematic event. Huge, huge, huge uh, visual effects, huge visuals. I cannot wait to see it. And the trailer also leaned towards that by showing the flames in the trailer and the two pictures of Killian Murphy and then the back, uh, the audio in the background of the dialogue or whatever you want to say that the most important, important man in the world or whatever. So those are the two main things I got out of this trailer was that this is going to be the Killian Murphy show. Too bad it's in the summer. Maybe not an Oscar nom, but we'll see. You never know. And two, yes, this is going to be a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, and I think when you think of Nolan, you obviously think of events like we just talked about. So like when we get that teaser, you expect to get like a little glimpse of what these explosions are going to be simulated and what they're going to be like in the film. You know, uh, like Tenet, you got the uh, with the teaser when that came out. It was like such a that was such a spectacle and it was such a uh, phenomenon because everybody's like wondering how is he doing these effects and how is it actually going to look when what's he hiding from audiences when we actually go see the movie here it seems like maybe these uh explosions like nuclear explosions that he's simulating they're going to come at a premium we know how expensive these could be his movies that he makes right so uh maybe he's just holding back a little bit maybe we're not gonna be getting as much in the movie but when you do see it it's gonna take your breath away um i think if we're on the trailers right now, I maybe we start with the trailer roundup today, Ricky Flex. I think also it's a good idea because we talk about the black and white type of cinematography going on with Oppenheimer. I think it only makes sense that we go to the second trailer that we got in black and white this week with the large uh, worldwide release, right, through social media and through the internet. We had on to Armis, right, and Andrew Dominic's upcoming film, Blonde, not rated R, not PG-13. We're talking NC-17 rating. Right for Andrew Dominic's upcoming film that's going to be popping up on Netflix. Uh, it's going to be dropping September 28th, 
Uh, what are your thoughts on this first feature-length trailer following the teaser that came out a few weeks back? You pumped for this, Ricky Flex? What are your thoughts? We So we got the official, official confirmation of the NC-17 here. Wild. Because um, it seems like Ana de Armas is going all out for this. So NC-17, that I think that means no Oscars allowed. Uh, or at least the film won't be allowed to be like the to you know how like they what's it called they uh they like they bid not bid they submit like their award nominations for the for their own movie you know this they won't be allowed to submit any nominations for themselves because yeah. of the rating beyond the so that's art. unfortunate but i think the big thing on twitter after this trailer wasn't how good or bad it was it was the accent of ana de armas and how it was there's controversy around how she's uh, not from America, and her accent is coming through. I personally don't really care. I I think it's I don't really. We we talk about on the show with Oscars and like who should get the award or is it the mimic award or impersonation award? I just think it that that if your performance personifies what you're trying to get out of in an extremely uh powerful way, influential way, I think that's a powerful performance. And this is looking like she's innocent. Her innocence, vulnerability. And by the dialogue that's written here, you can really connect the two between her performance and then the scenes that they show with the dialogue that Marilyn Monroe on the arms is saying here. I I liked it. I liked this trailer. I'm not going to say it's like the best trailer I've ever seen, but I do think that her performance accent or no accent. I don't care. It looks like she's going to give a performance. And we saw glimpses of Adrian Brody. I don't know how big of a role he's going to have. We've talked about it before. We saw Bobby Cannavale. He looks like Joe DiMaggio role here or, uh, and there were uh, like love interests here trying to show the world like, or show us that side, that interest loves love interest there. That's going to be interesting. We saw a car crash. So this is going to get serious, like really serious at times. Very like hectic. I I'm in, it sold me. I'm in, I'm not going to say how good I think it is. If I had to give a thermometer predictor, Andrew Dominic, I'll I'll go seventy four on the thermometer predictor, but for the official trailer, what do you think? I'll I'll save my thermometer predictor because I well until the end of my little rant here, or at least my uh, analysis of this trailer. I think it's to be higher than seventy four. By the way, uh, maybe not too high with the NC seventeen rating and who this film is actually for. That might be kind of controversial. But the thing that my I took away, it looked beautiful. Right, I like the cinematography, the black and white. I think it's a good movie, actually, because you're showing kind of the dark side of Marilyn Monroe, uh, the psyche, the mental psyche, beyond what we just saw on camera, and how she always has to like be Marilyn Monroe all the time. She's never in the character; she just has to be this person that's supposed to be beloved by everyone. And it, it see, it takes a toll on her throughout this movie. I think that's what it's going to be all about. And I think the black and white is also a good move because that's how we see Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. Whenever we look at footage, other than like some like some like a hot, you see restored to color and things like that. But like when we look at old Marilyn Monroe posters that are sold, or we look at like eight by ten photos that we see in random stores, like they're all in black and white. The iconic images that we think of with Marilyn Monroe, black and white. So why not have her in this in this same like uh, image that we are all modern audiences are so familiar with how she looks. Right. But also let's show what's going on. Right. Literally the dark side to her. So I like that. Um, the accent threw me off. I don't like it, uh, to be honest. I'm kind of on the other side of the board here. Uh, it's like 
you don't want to impersonate too much. Like you think about Austin Butler, he was going like playing Elvis. He was pretty much spot on, like with the way Elvis spoke, right? And impersonation in that regard. Here, you have Marilyn Monroe. She's from LA. She was born in LA. She died in LA, right? When she has this like Cuban accent, it really doesn't make sense because that's where Anna de Armas is from. Right. And when it's shining through, I get it. Like they want Anna de Armas to make the role her own. And like, to, like we don't want to be just an impersonation like we were just talking about. But at the same time, it's going to be a little bit historically accurate if you're playing one of the most iconic like American actresses that's ever lived. Right. There's got to be some type of like because she nails the look. Right. She's gorgeous. I honestly like I didn't think Anna de Armas was like a perfect casting for this role in the first place. I think they made her look physically and she looks physically similar to Anna, uh, to Marilyn Monroe when they dyed her hair and she has like the freckle and everything. It looks great. Right. But when you speak for someone that I wasn't sold physically looking like her and then you don't sound like her either to me, that's an issue. Do you agree or disagree with that? I think she looks like her. Dude, you look at her in knives out and you said that woman's going to play Marilyn Monroe. Okay, I, but I'm what I'm saying is in That's the trailer, she looks like her. Yeah, because they made her look like that. Yeah. And I'm okay now. I'm physically so you know what I'm saying. So here's what I'm so I know her as a brunette, right? Aunt Armas, like no time to die, right? Flipping her hair back and forth. I think of her as a brunette, right? Knives out. It's just like small, right? Fragile girl. And then when I see her as Marilyn Monroe, right? You have to go through a full body transformation for me to like actually buy that. But then you go back to the Anna de Armas Cuban accent. I'm out of it a little bit. To me, it doesn't make sense to have her accent shining through when I know like she easily could just take that accent away. They could do a couple of reshoots. It seems like very intentional that they gave her the accent in this movie. Hmm. I, I think she couldn't pull it off is my guess. What? So really? They kept wow. it, the accent because she looks Maybe I so think too highly of And it. I think I, I don't I don't think she could do it. That's why I think she, if she was able to do it, then oh, my God, then yeah. Like they would have done it. Look what they did in Elvis. But I don't also I don't think Marilyn Monroe's voice, like, is it's not we just talked about Elvis. I know Elvis is in a league of his own, and it's also singing, right? A lot like prominent singer there. But it's just like I don't think it's that important compared to like an Elvis, the voice of Marilyn Monroe. I think it's the look. And I do think but like I, I know you're saying I know, I know you're saying I know, but black and white, first of all. That's how we look at uh, Marilyn Monroe a lot and in this movie it's also black and white and I do think she looks like her if it isn't black and white looks like her and even in not in black and white I think she pulls it off and oh no she hey. definitely looks like her but I'm saying the accent just throws it off I'm just I just like oh wow okay that but is again Armas. it's but, not Marilyn Monroe but again is Marilyn Monroe known for her voice like no but I even not knowing that I could just tell it wasn't how she sounds yeah I, <laughs> hey I I understand if like, hey, you want it to be that, but I think that to be honest, if you couldn't find anyone else that looked the part, I think looking the part is more important, and I think she nails it I, 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 on the look of the part. And also, it's about the performance. For me, this trailer looks like she's gonna nail, like, do very well in this performance. Let accent or no accent, just what you were just talking about, what I was talking about, what they're trying to aim here. It looks like they're gonna nail like the actual goal and theme of this movie, and. Yes, the accent, I could see it being an issue at the end of the day, but is it going to be a big enough issue where I don't like the movie? I don't know. Wait and see, I guess. But from this trailer, it didn't do that for me. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know if it's going to take, like, it's, I, I don't know if it's going to become an issue when I watch the movie or not. It's just that was the first thing I thought of after I saw this trailer. It stuck out the most, honestly, along with how emotional uh, the Armas is, like, 
during this trailer. Uh, it seems like he's going to focus on the tragic downfall of Marilyn mm-hmm. Monroe, right? Not only how big she was. Okay, we I just I talked about earlier like the mental psyche, but also like what led to her demise and uh, was it really that of her own doing or maybe like the forces surrounding her? There's a lot of outside. There's a lot of like outside forces that are being involved in this movie. Whether it's romantic relationships, they even make a Me Too connection. Right, right at the beginning of this trailer. And that was almost inevitable. It almost felt like that was automatic with Marilyn Monroe. How did you get started in this business? All right. Then they do the flashback of like the man in power, the authoritative figure trying to get the good looking girl a job. Like it just felt like that was almost going to be immediate. But like, what are, what, like, I guess, what, what are the other type of things that I didn't know personally? I only have a surface level understanding of Marilyn Monroe and her career. What is this film going to show me outside of that? And I think there is going to be like, a lot of emotion to this, and I think people are gonna, I don't know, l- learn a little bit about Marilyn Monroe that they didn't know um, from the get go. That was an, uh, another thing, just because you're talking about her start and the Me Too movement. It's just I also thought about this as well. Watching the trailer was so that we saw we see black and white. We also see color. Okay, are they going to utilize the black and white as like the present? Or as maybe like that's the present, and then the colors, the flashbacks. And I'm saying that because that me too movement. That's probably how you get your start. So it's probably a flashback to like, how was she discovered? Like in that conversation with Bobby Calvin of Joe DiMaggio. And then they flash back using color to signify it's the flashback. That's kind of what I was thinking, because like, why would you have a movie without flashbacks? And it's all, it's two different colors. I do think this is only going to cover a certain part of her life to be honest. Right. But no flashbacks. Well, we, we, well, we're obviously getting flashbacks just based on this trailer, you know, but I feel like it's going to be like that second half. Like we're going to be, cause like you could, I would say based on what we're seeing, cause we're getting all the iconic moments from like the, the core part of her career. Right. We're seeing like the, the dress being like, like flying in the air, the, some like it hot scenes, all this type of stuff. Right. But then we're also seeing the downfall. It makes you think that we're going to get a lot of second half of the career type of story. And we only get two relationships really from this trailer that we know, like uh, like we have uh, Adrian Brody and Bobby Cannavale. But what do we know about Marilyn Monroe? Like historically, her relationships with such high profile figures like a JFK or even an RFK. Right. It's just it's just that's what we think of immediately. Are they going to go into that stuff? I doubt it. I do think, yeah, there's going to be flashbacks to early, early parts of her career. But I, I think it's smart if they focus on the downfall because that's what people don't talk about whatsoever when it comes to Marilyn Monroe. It's just it's, like it's just the photo shoots and it's, it's the, the iconic it's the juicy parts. Yeah, yeah. Right? it's the iconic parts that were light, like that we know her as. Right. Uh, the juicy parts. Right. We want to know about Joy DiMaggio. We want to know about JFK, RFK. There is a president listed here in the cast list. They haven't re- revealed who. Bobby Cannavale is revealed as a baseball player, not Joe DiMaggio, but we could connect the dots, people. So, yes, and I think where the Elvis movie, where we had a big issue, was it was trying to conquer so much. His, literally his whole life, and they sped through so much. That could have been, like, there could have been 10 movies based on what they tried to cover in one. Here, they're doing it, like, hopefully what we think is that it's going to be only the juiciest of juicy parts. I'm not saying Marilyn Monroe's early life isn't. I'm just saying that they're going to, based off the show, that's what it looks like. And also, I didn't see any castes for a young Marilyn Monroe. So, it like, this is only going to be Ana de Armas playing Marilyn Monroe, which I think is also beneficial for her as well, and also for the movie uh, as a whole. So, I do like that. And all, I, again... It I, just I, says it just says baseball player for Cannavale. 
It did uh, when the teaser trailer came out. Dude, if it says that, I don't know if I'm going to trust how factually correct this is. I don't know if that's going to impact my viewing as much. But to me, I mean, I don't know. I can't. I kind of care about seeing the actual true story because I don't know the actual true story. You know what I mean? Oh, like so, the, to okay. see her downfall. So it says... Bobby, it just Bobby says Cannibal baseball is, player instead of like the actual Joe DiMaggio. It says, to it says that's an issue. athlete. Why? Why does it say that? Maybe, yeah, like, then, maybe, maybe it's gonna be some little bit of fabrication of like uh, real life events. And then, like Casper Philipson, who looks like a RFK JFK, it says the president. There's a guy that plays Spencer Garrett, who plays the president's pimp. That's I know this is like, based on a book. I wonder if the like the events in the book are also it's more of a memoir than it is like a biography of Monroe. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'm not sure, but yeah, I just think it's interesting, and I, I like it. we can all connect the dots, even if they don't. But I, we would like to hear the names. We want to hear the names on the screen. Yeah, that's a draw to the movie, better. exactly. Uh, just to mention, there's two other trailers that we had this week: Andor, uh, for Star Wars. Uh, it's gonna be a spinoff prequel series from Rogue One. It's got delayed. It's been delayed from August 31st to September 21st. Another trailer came out that heavily features Stellan Skarsgård as presumably a villain, potentially, uh, or also has a close relationship with Andor. We're not really sure to this point yet. Saw Guerrera, right, played by Forrest Whitaker, will be making a return here. We got Mon Mothma that's there. But uh, I think the consensus after seeing this trailer from all audiences is how legit this project looks in the film in the the cinematic qualities of what this is on screen the practicality even compared to obi-wan kenobi and boba fett and the mandalorian right the practicality of this series is really being praised are you kind of shocked that andor is getting like this type of praise ahead of like uh, coming after obi-wan and boba fett where you thought more like resources uh would, would have been allocated by uh kathleen kennedy and star wars that's the word of this trailer is shocked the shock factor is through the roof here i i'm all in on this series just off the trailer alone it, it looks, looks like rogue one it looks like like you said the cinematic elements here the technical uh cinematography here in this series looks amazing and one of my critiques about the disney plus shows particularly the the star wars one is that sometimes it looks like it's on a set the entire shows mandalorian boba fett Obi-Wan at times, especially on Tatooine. It just looks like it's on a set. This looked like Rogue One and like cinema. It looked really good. I was incredibly shocked. Stellan Skarsgård usually plays the villain, but I got I got kind of uh the opposite vibes here. I didn't I didn't I I did not take him as a villain at all. Um he looks like a villain at all times, no offense. And he always is cast as a villain. Kind of even in Chernobyl a little bit, but obviously kind of like an anti-hero there. Eh, well, I don't know. It's kind of complicated. But he looks like he's going to be like on the rebellion side. So to I me, I think he starts off one way. You see him like literally his character physically looks different in two parts of this series with the long hair, right? He might be more friendly in that regard or maybe something changes him, right? He goes through some type of traumatic event. He goes to short hair and it looks like he's aged a lot. And when you have a big name like Stellan Skarsgård, you're always waiting for that one Star Wars character, almost like Woody, Har Woody Harrelson in Solo, A Star Wars Story. I'm just thinking they start off tight. 
then there's a flip of the switch. See, I think it's the opposite where he already was bad and they do flashbacks with him with long hair when he was on whatever. Yeah, because we know Cassian Andor, he, he's a spy and he gets on the inside and he's right. like with the so Empire trying to gain intel. Right. So, so there Stone's, is. Yeah, go ahead. So Stellan Skarsgård would be like his uh, like M is what I was thinking, like James Bond M kind of situation. I'm not sure exactly, but I just think but. I just think that maybe he, because like, it's Don Skarsgård, he had to be a villain at some point. I just think it's before this series, not after. But we have confirmed a second season, right? There's going to be two seasons of this show, right? I believe so, maybe, so. So then maybe that leads me to think, okay, maybe he makes that turn at the end of this season, goes to the opposite. I'm not sure. But I think... Besides- Smart move by the writing if they do that, trying to flip like Star Wars on its head a little bit, all the what the fans expect, like people like me, and where I can almost presume... Right, what I'm going to see from Skarsgård's character, like hopefully they'll flip it a little bit on us and uh, give us some we haven't seen. Yeah, and the final thing I'll say on this is that the music was so good, so good. I don't know who like it was amazing in this trailer. No, that I think that really made it like not just like the cinematic event, like event that this is like looking like it is shockingly for Cassie and Andor, but the music just built up the momentum and the hype throughout the trailer. And it was only two minutes, not too long of a trailer, two minute trailer, real quick and easy. Like to see that. And the music just built it up throughout and got me excited. And, and big news that we also didn't mention, this is supposed to come out August 31st. Now it's September 21st. And it's going yeah, we a- mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we did. And it's a three episode premiere. They're going to drop three episodes, so it's different than what they were doing uh, with Obi-Wan and uh, other shows on Disney+. Plus. They've been doing one episode. The Mar- uh, Miss Marvel did one episode, not multiple episodes on its premiere. This one did three, or is going to do three. I love that, too. I think this, uh, so like Obi-Wan, those trailers didn't necessarily excite me for the series any more so than I already was. Like I already had my my, my expectations set at a 10 before I even got a trailer, even after I got the two trailers and the teaser and like getting a first look at Darth Vader here, the trailers are really, I think, engaging with audiences and it's causing them to be excited for what's coming with this Andor series that not many people even felt a series was necessary following rogue one. But, uh, it seems like they're doing their thing right now. And I think, uh, with the, even just by showing Saw Gerrera coming back, from Rogue One, a popular supporting character from that movie. I think it also just shows, okay, further connection to the Clone Wars and then further connection for Star Wars audiences as a whole. And uh, right now it's leaning more towards like Mandalorian-esque than Boba Fett. And that's always going to get fans going if you can actually contribute something meaningful, right, to the Star Wars universe that we have no idea what we're getting, right? And it's a juicy time with the Empire and, okay, leading into Rogue One uh, between episode uh, – two or three and four all right might maybe even earlier depending on when this series takes place so uh last thing with the trailer roundup here just want to mention it quick we don't have to dive in too deep jonathan majors and glenn powell star in a new trailer for this new movie coming called devotion uh the film releases november 23rd in theaters with this film uh jonathan majors and glenn powell are pilots okay uh during the korean war for the u.s uh, Jonathan Majors' character is going through, um, obviously, some racial injustices 
Okay, he's a very successful pilot, and he's teaming up with Glenn Powell. Seems like almost like a Top Gun, but set in 1950. So it kind of has that cool impact where Glenn Powell just was in Top Gun Maverick, right? Uh, and it seems like audiences really responded to him. And now we're going to see him put alongside Jonathan Majors, who has just been revealed as one of the next big bads of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's going to be the main villain in uh, not only the next Hitman movie, but also Avengers Kang Dynasty and potentially Secret Wars. Uh, so what do you think about Majors and Pal teaming up for this uh, naval adventure? And he's going to be in Creed 3 in November as well, which is right. You know, he's not stopping. And he's looking massive in the set photos that came out last week. Absolutely yoked. Insane. But yeah, so this movie's weird because Top Gun, Glenn Powell, that's what you're going to be thinking about. That's my only issue. By the way, Glenn Powell, I could see him becoming a Marvel superhero. Like, fantastic. No, like, I, I can Torch. already see it. He's going to be like Human Green Torch. Lantern. Green Lantern. Oh, Green Lantern. That's good, too. But, like, I, yeah, Human Torch should be good, but he might be a little, I don't know if he's too old for it or not. I think they might want to mm -hmm. go younger. Who knows? Yeah, it's a good pick, though. Yeah, but, yeah, it's clearly, like, November release. Uh, the racial injustice, the Jonathan Majors starring. This is definitely going to get some. I'm I'm not going to say like it's an Oscar contender or anything, or he's going to yeah, be an Oscar contender not. in this role. I just think that this might be worth seeing in theaters. I, I think this might be a good movie. I I did not see like anything like besides the actual performance, like cast, nothing, and like the actual story. I'm not sure if it's going to be put together as well as I would like. But at the end of the day, like Jonathan Majors, Glenn Powell, uh, important story in um, in world history. Yeah, I'll probably see it in theaters. It looks better than uh, like a couple of years ago, World War II movie they had Midway. They talk about Pacific um, part of the Pacific, the Pacific theater of World War II. So seeing that was like, okay. That was like a moment that you don't see in many modern day war movies. No one really talks about the Korean War too much when it comes to movies. So maybe this is an interesting aspect that can be taken. And also you can combine the civil rights movement that's happening at this time, right? 1950s is when it's really starting to be spearheaded. And then Jonathan Majors, anything he does, he's becoming, dude, he is becoming like, if he's in something, it's must watch. Like the fact that he's a villain in Kang, uh, excuse me, Creed Three. He's a, uh, potentially the villain, I guess. If you want to call him the villain, we don't really know anything yet. We haven't seen the trailer, but we presume to be the villain. But also Avengers, Kang Dynasty. Like, and then he's doing this war movie. It seems like anything he does now, there's going to be a spotlight on him, and it's gonna. It's almost like a appointment type of theater going. We talk about actors like. Even like we talk about Adam Adam Driver when he does a movie, we're gonna go see that move. What uh, we're gonna go see it. He does a project. We're gonna see that project. Oscar Isaac a lot of times he does a project. We're gonna go see that project. I think Jonathan Majors has kind of entered that class. To be honest, I feel like based on the, his future, I have to go see what he's doing because there's so much hype to his career right now. Even if he doesn't, if he hasn't necessarily earned all of that credit yet, you know. I think, but I, I but think I think, exactly but I. It. But I think he is very much worth seeing, and I think, I think, like if you have to guess his trajectory right now, man, he's sky high. Like he could be one of the next guys. It's crazy because that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like you're going to see this movie because yet you've seen the talent, Heart of the Fall, uh, Loki. You can see even say Loki, Rufestation. You you can keep going. Like you've seen the potential here, the skill set with him as an actor. But it's not like he's proven that he's on the same scale as that Adam Driver that you just said, just as a comparison there. So it's like, Reaction. okay, this is like, okay, if you could carry this movie with Glenn Powell, 
adversary to Michael B. Jordan and take over that. Michael B. Jordan, without remorse, we don't have to mention that again. But do that, and then you're going to be a, the big next big bag of Marvel, big bad of Marvel for the next three years. Yeah. Like, it, it, that's dude, huge. He, like, he like Adam in... Driver. He's at the Adam Driver mm-hmm. stage with Kylo Ren. But he, but he, like, even before this, like, like, obviously, like, you talk about Lovecraft Country, and then, like, everyone, there was a lot of people who loved that series. The Five Bloods did a Spike Lee movie before that. Last Black Man in San Francisco. That was like his come up. That was his last come up, man. It's crazy, but no, but you're right that he starts off a little smaller, right? And then he's building up. He's going to be like, the next big bad in the MCU. And then he's going like Creed three. He's taking advantage of these blockbusters, but then he's going to do a war movie. He's dipping toes in every type of genre possible. And he's going to be known to all audiences before we know it. He's literally like, by the time, virus. by the time Kang dynasty comes out, he's going to be one of the biggest stars in the planet. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think by the end of this year, he's going to be, well, I think just after Creed and this movie, just, I, I, I think he's going to be right below them. And then next year, take over or get there, you know. Speaking of Creed, Ricky Flex, I think this is going to be a natural transition as we um, go from the trailer roundup uh, to the checkup. Creed spinoff, uh, Drago, is in the works with Robert Lawton set to write the script. Uh, Sylvester Stallone was not happy when he heard about this potential spinoff. Did you hear about this, Ricky Flex, with what he said? So, uh, what. Stallone has, I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but he was very critical of uh, Erwin, Wink- Erwin Winkler and his family, right? This is kids who are in charge of a lot of these Rocky franchise characters and how they want to capitalize and make more money off the Creed franchise after Stallone was kind of like set in his ways that he was never going to return to Rocky movies after making six whole ones. Right, and then he decides to come back for Creed and Creed Two. Gets nominated for an Oscar for the uh, first installment of Creed, and all of a sudden, here comes right Drago spinoff. Okay, so Ricky Flex, what are your thoughts on this potential movie? Right, and what are your thoughts on Stallone having an issue with the exploitation of his beloved franchise? Yeah, I completely agree with Stallone. Like, I I think that this is his baby. You know, like you could see like all the iconic Rocky One. When he's filming, uh, when he was like doing the chore- uh, choreography, like inside the boxing rings, like he was doing it with the other actors, like mm-hmm. he he wrote it, like he, he this is his baby, and for them to exploit is kind of is very disrespectful for to do it without permission. That's like absurd in my eyes. And and uh, Dolph Lundgren, who was supposed to be involved yes. with this series, uh, he initially thought that. Uh, Stallone was going to be in this film, and he thought Stallone he said, was a part of this film. And yeah, when he, he found he out he was going to be a producer on it, right? And when he found out he wasn't a part of it, there, this makes me think this may not happen, right? Even though this is announced, if you don't have the blessing of the man who birthed Rocky, you gave birth to Rocky, you cannot make this movie, right? Not only that, you don't have Drago in it. I don't think he'll. Yeah, I, I literally don't think he will do the movie unless Stallone is happy with what's coming. Right, with what's gonna happen with that movie. Cause I think like Creed 2, the premise sounded great with bringing back Drago, but it took so much attention off Michael B. Jordan as Adonis Creed and even off of Rocky, like the dynamic we wanted to see. And I think that movie really, uh, like audiences didn't really respond well to this new, like Drago and his son and this whole storyline and like them versus like the Russian government. Like I thought, like 
I was kind of it was a snooze fest a little bit. Like I, I really did not care for it. That's I'm excited to see some new blood. Let's get Jonathan Majors in the mix. Okay, let's get away from what happened with the old Rocky franchise and let's see what lies ahead in the future. Here they're doubling down on Draga when on, honestly I I don't even think audiences are even down with seeing more of this Drago, you know? Uh, personally, I'm not. Would you be interested? Are you into it? No, I, I watched Creed 2 once, haven't revisited it, and I think that's tough. Neither have I, man. Yeah, so we, to put it bluntly, would I watch a spinoff film about this guy? No. Uh, all right, moving on with the checkup here. More on the blockbuster news front. Hey, Ben Affleck is going to return as Batman. And Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom. We didn't know if we were going to get him in the Flash. Guess what? He's coming back for the Flash. Is he going to die in the Flash? Who knows? What? You know, but but here, all of a sudden, we get a Jason Momoa Instagram post with Ben Affleck alongside Jason Momoa, right? Reshoots. Dude, I got beef with this news, not because I don't want Affleck to come back, but by the way that this news went down, it makes me think Momoa maybe wasn't supposed to share this, and it was going to be a surprise in Aquaman The Last Kingdom, because why would they allow him to post this when we just had Comic-Con, right? San Diego Comic-Con 2022. It makes zero sense to me. Rick, your flicks. What are your thoughts on this news that came out of left field last week? There's no way he got permission. There's absolutely no way. The only so like the only thing I could think of is oh he got permission because they did so poorly at Comic Con and they're like we need something to get like social media talking about us again. But this movie's not coming out this year, so it's like you had this in your back pocket. No one knew about it. Everyone's focused on Ben Affleck with J Lo. Like what are we doing? Like we didn't have to do this. And everyone's like focused on Black Adam in a couple months and then Shazam too because that's what was at Comic Con. DC League of Super Pets came out this weekend. Did decent at the box office. Not great. We really didn't need this. This could have waited till, let's say, Shazam flops later this year. Then throw this out there. Then you throw this out there. i rather you don't. I'd, I'd rather have be surprised at the theater. The only other thing I thought of, and this was, well, I thought another two two more things. One, real quick, Ben Affleck looks, looks great. He looks a lot better than these uh, photos with him just in public. Looks great in the picture. And then the only other thing I thought of was he does look awesome. He does, but uh, he's old too. Like he looks good. But the other thing I thought of was like, okay, like we're still connecting with Ben Affleck and the Snyderverse. Like we're losing the flash and Ezra Miller. Like the only thing left will be this and Harley Quinn, I guess like Shazam. You not really connected. Like does this come after um, the flash Aquaman last quick and lost kingdom? Well, it's that'd be kind of confusing if it came before and they're releasing it after. And it was supposed to be after no matter what. Anyways, it's supposed to be where Shazam is uh, currently. So it was always going to be after the Flash. So that so Aquaman is expected March 17th, 2023. And I think that is before the Flash. If I have that right. I'm going to check one more time. So March 17th. Remember that, Ricky. March yeah. 17th, 2023. The Flash. May. June. June. So actually, Aquaman comes before the Flash, so the Flash would still be presumably Affleck's last turn as the Cape Crusader. Okay, so this is probably what happened then. It's correct me if I'm wrong here. So the Flash was supposed to come out this year in the summer or fall. It got moved around a couple of times. I think it was the fall. The fall. And Aquaman was supposed to come out in December, always after the Flash. They moved the dates around, right? Shazam got pushed or got 
moved up from 2023 to the Aquaman slot. Aquaman got pushed. The Flash got pushed. And we know that Ben Affleck was always going to be in the Flash. So this has to be reshoots. It is. I I don't think he was ever in the movie. Yeah, it has has to be reshoots to make sense with the Flash somehow. Maybe they're cutting Amber Heard out and replacing with Ben Affleck to be a sidekick throughout the movie. I don't know. (laughs) Now we're just going crazy. But this is like still I wish we never saw this. But again, connecting with the Snyderverse still for multiple projects is absurd to me, Doctor. This in this age of social media, this is actually one of the downfalls of it, or one of the tragedies of it when it comes to fandom, is that we there is nothing that is ever a surprise to us in a theater. You look at Spider-Man No Way Home, seeing the two Spider-Men, we always knew they were gonna show up. And like Affleck, we knew was going to be in the flash, right? Based not based on a trailer, not by any concept art, but by like reports from these news outlets that we get through social media. And now, once again, Jason Momoa is another star who can't help but share the fact that Batman is going to be a part of his movie. Why? Because it's going to do really well on his social media and it's going to do absolute numbers. Like this is such a flaw with like the way we consume movies and what we're seeing beforehand. It's it drives me insane. Because what a moment it would be if we had no idea that Affleck was going to be in Lost Kingdom. And then we were just watching it, knowing he's going to be in The Flash. And, oh, my God, he's in a third of the movie. Like, that's where fans go crazy. And, like, you guys – and if you're going to do this, it's got to be at Comic-Con. It has to be. Or in a trailer at Comic-Con. Like, it's got to be something else. We cannot be continuing with social media – these not just like by fans, like by the stars of the movies doing this, which is absurd to me. If you're gonna spoil something, at least do it in the trailer so we still have that shock factor, you know. But let's not do it this way. No, talking to you, Jason Momoa. No, can't do it that way. Uh, just to go through some more blockbuster news before we go on to a Marvel corner here. But uh, Holt McElhaney, right, from Mindhunter has you know, Detective Holt. Uh, so what was his name, Detective? It's been a long time since I watched Mindhunter. Bill Tench. Tench. Nice, Ricky. Very nice. Has been cast in Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 2, along with Nick Offerman and Janet McTeer, right? They've also been cast in Dead Reckoning. Oh, actually, no, that was Part 2. Excuse me, not even Part 1. That's Part 2. So there's a bunch of stills that came out or a couple stills. Uh, McElhaney's in it. Offerman is looking like he is a part of, I think it looks like the U.S. Army, I would assume. I can't really see... Uh, Offerman putting sporting a different type of accent like for a role, but who knows? Uh, Janet McTeer looks like uh, she is the for those who don't know Janet McTeer, she is the lawyer of the cartel in Ozark. That's how you're going to recognize her. She's the most Janet looking person I've ever seen in my life. Uh, moving on here, Adam Wingard, Godzilla vs. Kong 2, starring Dan Stevens, has begun filming, and then uh, yeah. That's pretty much all we got for the blockbuster uh, blockbuster news here. We also have Sebastian Stan. That's going to be an A24. It's a different man starring Renee Renzave and Adam Pearson. All right. Pretty cool. Any uh, follow-up thoughts as we wrap up this section of the checkup? Quick beats. Sebastian Stan literally is a different man in that freaking picture. That was crazy. It's like the elephant man. That was literally one of the best-looking men in Hollywood is that. Uh, shocking. Uh, the whole McElhaney, Bill Tench, and also uh, Janet McTeer, the lawyer from Ozark, like you mentioned, perfect castings for me as someone that's like a CIA, oper- uh, CIA like leader, 
or like leading a task force or something like that behind the scenes. Love those. Nick Hofferman. Mm, that's that should be interesting. Maybe like a what's that? The founder, like kind of like that type of role, maybe, but more serious. I'm not sure. Um, saw once. I feel like he's always serious, and even when he's not serious, even when he's not serious, just he's like a straight guy. He's like a straight man, but also just underlying comedy with everything he does. I'm gonna have yeah. a hard time taking him seriously in anything but a comedic role. To be yeah. honest, I saw him once in a, a, a stand-up. And he was awful. Not funny whatsoever. Saw him live. Saw him live. He shaved his head. Um, did not want to talk anything Parks and Rec's career. And it was really bad. He really tried to separate himself when he it was clear like he needed to at least like make fun of himself or something. it was terrible stand up. Do not but he went to it. he he went to see you at school though, right? Yeah, yeah, he visited my school. All right, so like, I mean, his type of comedy may not appeal to younger audiences as much, and he might be kind of mailing it in if he's going to like a college show, you know? Maybe, maybe. I don't think he was notorious. He wasn't like, I guess, famously known for his stand-up anyway. He's known like as like this his character from Parks and Rec. Yeah, Rob Swan- Ron Swanson. Um, okay, and then trying to look here. Yeah, let's go to the Marvel corner here. I, I didn't copy and paste there. All right. Uh, Marvel Corner. Kevin Feige. Okay. He says that Fantastic Four, an upcoming Phase 6 film that's going to be in the same phase as Avengers Kang Dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars. Right. It's not going to be an origin story. He says that the Fantastic Four movies is, quote, a lot of people know the origin story already. A lot of people know the basics. How do we take that and bring something that they've never seen before? End quote. What do you think about this Fantastic Four not having an origin story in the MCU, similar to Spider-Man in the MCU. I don't think it's the same. I, not I at all. I think it needed one. I think if you're going to incorporate a Doctor Doom, which leaked photos of a potential post-credit scene in Wakanda Forever and maybe a spin-off show, rumors swirling, I think you need an in-depth backstory of these guys. I think you really do. And I don't think enough people have seen the 2005 or, or six Fantastic Four to understand it. I really don't. I think Marvel drew in a huge fan base here that doesn't know. Like, they're not comic book fans. They're just, they love going to the movies. They love Marvel. They got them, right? They got them on Disney Plus. They got them on all these shows. And now it's just like, we're just going to be throwing them. Like, everyone knows Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, most popular comic book characters of all time. We all know that. But Fantastic Four, they're not even on the level of X-Men. All right? People know Professor X and Magneto, especially because that's a franchise that everyone knows. It's not Fantastic Four is nowhere near the X-Men or that uh, franchise. If you don't do an origin story for X-Men, that's fine. But Fantastic Four, something quick and easy, like, that's so simple to do. And to not do it, I think, is a mistake, especially if you're doing a Doctor Doom spinoff show. Or next big bad. But there's also rumors like the Fantastic Four. Like, is there is this going to take place? Are, are there origins even from this multiverse? Are they going to be from like a different era? Maybe they're from Earth 616, but it's also the 1960s is when they first appear alongside the likes of Hank Pym and uh, uh, Hope Van Dyne, not Hope Van Dyne, but her mother, Janet Van Dyne. Okay, the original Wasp. Okay, and how did they get to today? Like in today's modern time, like how you got that? I feel like that has to be explained. And especially because the origin story is not necessarily the same when you go to Fantastic Four that we saw back in 2004, right? With Iron Grufford, Chris Evans, right? 
Michael Chiklis and Jessica Alba, and then going to Miles Teller, Michael B. Jordan, right? Type of Fantastic Four. There's different origins there. Like I, totally I don't forgot think, about that. I don't think it's as commonplace as people think to know the origin story of the Fantastic Four. If you tried to explain to me the origin story of the 2015 Fantastic Four, I could not do it. You want to talk about like Doctor Straight, uh, Doctor Doom, and like that planet that they go to, and they continuously back and forth. I don't know that whole story. I feel like you have to do justice to a Fantastic Four origin story because they deserve it as Marvel's first family. We didn't all read the comic books. We weren't all there when uh, Stan Lee is writing these in the 1960s. We have to know more about these characters. And same goes for the X Men, like you were talking about the X Men. They all have different origins. Like that might be a situation where it's like, okay, maybe you have to go into like different sectors, tell different stories, like throughout the X-Men movies on how certain characters who get to build up too many at one time. But the fantastic four, that's a lot of them are related. They knew each other. Like some of these guys in a very young age, like you got to establish that for audiences before they become such a focal point in movies, like probably secret wars and Kang dynasty, because fantastic four is going to kick off, Phase six. Yeah, Johnny Sue Storm. Like, it's just so many different elements here. And I think that Feige just thinks that, oh, and the Marvel execs or whoever, like, oh, like, fan casted John Krasinski. We did that for them. They must know Mr. Fantastic so well. And the rest of this Fantastic Four, I just think, no, I totally forgot about the 2015 Fantastic Four uh, movie. I was only thinking about the 2005 one. I, I, I honestly can't even tell you, uh, like, what at all happened. Uh, you're right. I honestly don't. So I really think that people need to know this story. And it's not as commonplace. Like it yeah. really isn't. And just because of the Dr. Doom elements and how integral that's going to be, I think it's, it's really integral again to have their own origin story. That's where I think like, like I think Marvel has gotten away with their audiences as we've go- gone on through four different phases of the MCU like Kevin Feige and the producers of and writers of these projects, they assume that their audiences know so much, right? And I think that sometimes is a fault of the MCU when someone hasn't watched the first 24 movies in like this universe, or maybe they've only seen the Avenger movies. And like, there's so many details that are left out. Like this is an example of them almost taking, making an assumption about their audiences, that even that me, people like you and me aren't very confident in. And we've seen every single movie in the MCU, every project in the MCU aside from Miss Marvel. Sorry about that. All right. Um, I do want to talk about Kevin Feige again really quick because he mentioned also he teased the third Deadpool film. All right. Deadpool three going to keep its R rating for the MCU. Kevin Feige said, quote, about the third Deadpool film, how do we elevate it in the way we've been able to do with Civil War and Infinity War and Ragnarok talking about three different films and major franchises? It's very fun to be in the world of the Ryan Reynolds show End quote. So what do you think, Ricky Flex? What are we going to see potentially from a third Deadpool movie, the first one set in the MCU? It's interesting because he compared it, uh, like how do we elevate it in the way they did with Civil War, Infinity War, and Ragnarok. So if you're saying that quote, that means you want to be on that level. I just don't see that at all. Like those are the three best, arguably the top three Marvel movies of all time right there. Like how, like what are like, I, I just think that's putting a lot of pressure on a new property that's got coming to Marvel's hands, same writers, right? Same star, same character, but civil war, like that was a team up infinity war team up new, a huge, big, bad Ragnarok. 
that was off of a poor Thor movie. Expectations very low, right? New director, new vision for the character. This is just like, I don't know. It's going to be Deadpool. Like we know this. And he, he's such yeah. a minor scale character. I know Ryan Reynolds, probably the arguably the biggest star in the MCU now, but it's just like, I don't know how you could scale it that big with a Deadpool character. That's just a mercenary. Yeah, I'm confused, too, because, like, you talk about Civil War and Infinity War. Those are major crossover cinematic events, right? And it talks about a lot of, like, different characters interacting and almost sharing their stories. It's not, like, the one character that owns the story. Yes, we have great Chris Evans as Captain America with Civil War, the, fo- ma- the, pro- the main focus of the story. But, I mean... Iron Man, right? And then also the team cap, team Iron Man aspect. It made it like such like such a spectacularly large event, right? For the MCU. It was basically Avengers 3 following Age of Ultron. And then Infinity War, obviously an Avenger movie. Ragnarok, you can argue that's a total overhaul of um the care uh Chris Evans. Uh, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, but then also you have Valkyrie coming into the fold. You also have Hulk that's crossing over into this, right? So it just felt like a huge event as well. And then it was so, I mean, it has the Guardians of the Galaxy, a little bit of vibes going on right now. And it was such, it was uh, Taika Waititi coming on board. It did feel really big. So what would happen with Deadpool to make it feel so like important, you know? And like, I, but like it'd be great if he like visits different parts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Maybe he goes on like this. I know he's talked about like a cross cross country road trip, and he like goes to meet all these different like heroes and Avengers in the MCU. I think that could be something special, and it'd be a lot of great comedy coming out of that. But how do you build a story around Deadpool I think, for that? I think you know what I'm talking about, though. I th- it's, yeah, it's yeah, gonna, yeah. It's, I, and it's still gonna be all about Deadpool because. This is his entrance into the MCU. Right. That's where what I'm about to say is my only holdback of why I'm not toy confident in this. I don't think the road trip will work because that's too buddy. I think that's too much. And I don't think Marvel would ever accept that, even though I would love to watch that. But I was thinking this would be all right. You mentioned crossover events, right? That the previous three films were. We we talked about a couple weeks back, Taron Egerton, Wolverine possibly deadpool wolverine movie yeah i got a good idea for that right so i think if if you establish that deadpool was in the same universe as logan right as like hugh jackman's wolverine he comes to the mcu universe and he's basically evaluating this new wolverine ingrating him (laughs) against the old wolverine from his universe so it's like almost like he's gonna be he's gonna have a clipboard on him for most of the time he's gonna be like grading his agility his his uh ability to work alongside deadpool and, and like how he works with others and like just basically how he compares to Hugh Jackman. I think that would be such a gold idea. I don't think they'd ever do that. That's a little too like, I don't yeah, know. No it's way. a lot of press, a lot of pressure on the new Wolverine. But if, as long as they have a good sense of humor, it could work. But it, like, I can't think of anything else. Like X Men. Like this is a Deadpool movie, so it's a Ryan Reynolds show. So it do can't they, be does X-Men. Cable come back? Does Domino come back? Like, I think yes. I think that, like they said they would want to rolling right? back. Wow. That'd be but crazy. like, I'm trying to think of they. They said they want to elevate it. Like, what's the way to elevate it? Like, you connect it to the X-Men somehow, but it's still going to be a Deadpool movie. So you bring in Wolverine, or you bring in Hugh Jackman. Like, you got to do something that big if you're going to compare it to those three movies that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows what they're going to do? 
let's and we they still have to like formally announce it. We don't have a an actual date in phase five or six for the Deadpool movie. There's been a lot of speculation that actually Marvel, the MCU, cannot use the X-Men franchise until 2025, starting with Secret Wars. And there is a there is a couple release dates. Uh, one right before Secret Wars, I believe, 2025. There's going to be a movie date. Could that be Deadpool 3? Or are we going to see Deadpool for the first time in Secret Wars, and then we're going to get a solo movie afterwards, right? It's a lot to think about. And it makes me, uh, it makes you wonder, like, what is like the the status of the ability for Kevin Feige to use these characters at his disposal? Because I definitely have some questions. If like we end Phase Four so abruptly, and here comes Five Six right off the bat, like when are these going to be available? And the only hint we've got at the X Men, right, is mutants, right? In and Miss Marvel or something. I didn't even, I, we didn't watch the series, but I believe I heard that was the only mention we've had so far, really explicitly of mutants. Yeah. Yeah. They call them mutants. Yeah. All right. So just wrapping up Marvel corner, Spider-Man freshman year is going to be a multiverse story. The animated show don't have to dive in too deep there. All you got to know is it's basically the start to civil war, except you're replacing Robert Downey Jr. With Norman Osborn. Also, uh, for UFC fans, uh, Kamaru Usman has been cast in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I think it matches up pretty perfectly. Let's go on to the final part of the checkup today. We have some major news with some major stars. What we love to talk about most, right? Characters like, actors like Leo DiCaprio, Matthew McConaughey, Will Smith, all in the news right now. This is the A-list spotlight. Leo DiCaprio is set to star in The Wager. For Apple TV Plus with Marty Scorsese set to direct. The story follows a trial to uncover the truth of what happened on an island after the crew of a British ship crashed on it. Ricky Flex initial thoughts for having Leo back with Scorsese following Killers of the Flower Moon. I believe it's gonna be their seventh project together. Maybe eighth. It's Leo is getting ready for another run. This he's getting ready for another run. Like we haven't seen, I the, I the blockbusters, Marvel, that's taking all the headlines. Those are the we talked about those before talking about Leonardo DiCaprio. That's just what the world we live in today. Totally understandable. But listen to this slate of movies that Leo is going on, starting next year: Killers of the Flower Moon with Martin Scorsese. This movie. With Martin Scorsese, both on Apple TV Plus. The Jim Jones movie. The yeah. cult. Kool-Aid. Roosevelt playing Teddy Roosevelt. Wait, and I, I, when, did, when did that one get confirmed? The Roosevelt one. This one we always bring confirmed. up. It's, no one, he, it's going to happen. It's Scorsese's no, it's not happening. But Scorsese's not attached to that. He's yes, not he doing is. that. No, like he's like he's when when is that happening? Where is it coming after out? What streaming these. service? He's doing Jerry down Garcia down. before that. Yes, he is. But that this is down. This is just four movies. They won't be back to back to back to back years. But this is all in this decade. And three of them with Scorsese, right? Jim Jones. I'm telling, like he, we are gearing up for a run. Bang! I'm still Leonardo DiCaprio. I am the I'm the biggest block in Hollywood. Like. I cannot wait to see this run. And the wager, like, did you read the synopsis? Uh, I might I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, you can read it off. It's wild in itself. Okay, so just to give you a little, like, background on this, uh, David Grain is writing it. Same guy who's doing Killers of the Flower Moon. 
as you said before, it's also going to be an Apple original film. Uh, to, all right. So it's based on right a nonfiction book, an adaption of an upcoming nonfiction book titled The Wager, A Tale of Shipwreck, Mutiny, and Murder. As the title suggests, The Wager will tell the true story of a British ship, uh, the HMS Wager, that's why hence the title of the film, which wrecked off the coast of Chile in the 1730s, leading to both a harrowing survival story and a famous mutiny case. Leo will both produce and star, but it's not yet known which role he will be playing. This is interesting. We've got another survival story, period piece. What do you think of Leonardo DiCaprio? Think of when he won his Oscar with The Revenant. What kind of story are we getting here? You may be thrown off with the 1730s aspect, but when you got these type of character dynamics, I don't think it's going to matter. And you have Leo DiCaprio. It's going to be great. He's done well in period pieces before. You, you want to go back to The Aviator. You want to go back to not uh, Beyond The Revenant. You can go to Gangs in New York. Okay, The guy knows what he's doing, knows how to pick good projects. And when he teams up with Scorsese, honestly, I don't think he's ever missed. And I, I could see him playing a villain in this too. I could see him playing like the guy trying to cover the truth. I, I could really see that. I, I, I see a lot of potential in this. I think this is the worst out of the four I said because this gets me. I know it's Scorsese, so it won't be what I'm about to say. But because it's a, kind of a wacky story a little bit too. So you, you hear don't look up vibes a little bit. But again, Scorsese, Scorsese. He's not Adam McKay. So he doesn't swing and miss. All right. It's so great. yeah, I, I can't wait for this. It sounds it sounds amazing. Uh, I know a lot of people might get turned off when you when you hear 1730s. Just let's see what Leo can do, right? Put him in any type of scenario. You know, it's going to be a, if it's, as long as it's not too far back. I don't know. I don't know how much farther back you could go and and like maintain my attention. But also, this is like age of exploration a little bit. This is a very exciting time. If you, but also, it's like I, I think you're going to be jumping around from setting to setting. You're going to hear different tales. You're going to have a courtroom drama going on at the same time. Uh, and I want to see Leo in a courtroom drama. I think that I think that would be a sick type of way for him to extend his career. I don't have we ever gotten that with Leo. Jay Edgar, maybe. <laughs> like, when have we gotten a, a a courtroom drama with Leo? Never. Yeah, Jay Edgar's not a courtroom, obviously. So yeah, it's yeah. just it's just what it's I think. The closest of. thing. That's just the closest thing. Yeah, but. it's just like what I think of. All right. Yeah. So very much so. Speaking of courtroom drama actors, Matthew McConaughey was starring his first live action role in three years with Dallas Sting, with Carrie Scoglin set to direct. The film's going to follow a. Dallas high school girls soccer group headed to China as the underdogs and beat some of the best teams in the world. Ricky, what do you think about McConaughey taking on this role? His first live action role in three years after he was in sing two, I think earlier this year. Matthew McConaughey is might, might be the most beloved actor in Hollywood. Okay. He's one of my favorite actors of all time, just based off of his prior work, preferably the early two thousands, Dallas Buyers club, true detective, et cetera. He has not had a great run post Dallas Buyers Club. Okay. Last thing he was in the gentleman. I do think he was pretty good in. Okay. It's good. I, I wouldn't call him anything better than that. He's kind of himself. Yeah, it was it was, all, it was all right. But then he did the Beach Bum, Serenity, White Boy Rick, The Dark Tower, Gold. Like not Free State of Jones. Uh that could have that could have been picked for Oscar um Oscar him, him and Marshala. Yeah, that could have been Oscar bait pick. That would have been a great pick. Um, bad, bad. Couldn't get through the movie. But long. But uh, for me, is wait and see again. I will not be going to see this in theaters unless it has incredible praise, uh, critical praise. This just doesn't sound. This sounds like a bad, bad news bears. I don't know. 
I really need to hear good things about it. Just the premise itself does not sound good. Sounds corny. It sounds like he owes someone a favor and he has to do this movie. <laughs> There's no way he just said like, yeah, this is this is what I'm dying to do right now. Like when I'm looking at the filmography that you just read, like the beach bum, right? It was kind of him getting a little bit wacky, trying to see what he can do. Like how can I like how can how much can I carry this movie with just my charisma? All right. And I could kind of get lost in it a little bit. White boy Rick also like he's not the main character, but it's a pretty juicy supporting role. And uh, it can kind of be like the dad who's a little going off the rails a little bit, but still wants to be protective of his son. But maybe he's gone through some type of um, struggles in his own life. Dark Tower was a miserable failure blockbuster that had such a great chance as a Stephen King novel being adapted. Gold was supposed to be pretty much his Wolf of Wall Street. Like what, what Leo means to Wolf of Wall Street is going to be what McConaughey was going to mean to the movie Gold. Like he really, you're right. He's kind of falling apart here. Free State of Jones, you said at Oscar potential if it was done right. And that's like going all the way back to 2015. Right now, what seems like what we know McConaughey for is more for his political ideals in the last few years, more so than his acting capabilities. So will this be the one to get him back on track? Honestly, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't agree either. I and don't think so. You, you you like sparked something in me when you said, is he doing this for somebody or owes someone a favor? This is a Dallas high school. Where is he from? Texas. Probably knows this little story. Professor. Yeah, he knows this story, probably a local story that he wants to big, bring to the big screen. That's probably what I think it is. Not necessarily a favor, but just a personal thing for him. I could see that being the case. Man, I, I'm i not doubting McConaughey. Like, we always talk about True Detective coming back for a season. He might need a True Detective season again to get him back into the limelight here. He might need another one. That'd be crazy if he if he got him back on track because like McConaughey like he hit a little bit of stride in the 90s like he was that was his come up right great in some supporting roles things like that in some great like like even like U571 and we talk about like, like we're talking about courtroom dramas we talked about earlier but uh time to kill right where we talk about time yep. to kill right yeah. but then moving on to like the the rom-com era that he had but then he answers the McConaughey in the 2010s right and then we kind of fell in love with him we just like didn't lose that affection even though he didn't do much afterwards to like maintain that prowess like we need to get him back on that level so we don't forget how amazing of an actor he was during that time he just hasn't really done anything since uh to wrap up with this like A-list spotlight section, I kind of like how we did this. It lined up super perfectly this week. Will Smith released a five-minute video apologizing to Chris Rock. We'll make this quick. Um, and his family for slapping him at the Oscars. Uh, Will Smith said, quote, there's no part of me that thinks this was the right way to behave in that moment, end quote. Uh, so Chris Rock has still not spoken with Will Smith. Right to forgive him for the slap. Did you have any thoughts, closing thoughts for this episode on this video and uh, what Will Smith put on social media? It seemed like this was like kind of for his own personal benefit to me. hundred percent. Like this was, I don't know. It seemed like this was like on his wife's podcast. Like this was an episode of that. Like the red table talk. It seems yeah, like it was like orchestrated it was like that. Yeah. Definitely on the same like setting. It. Yeah. I didn't like it one bit. I think what he said, I don't necessarily think it's fake, but I just don't believe him to the full extent. Like, who wrote those I, questions for him? Yeah, he write those like, questions and he's reading them. He's like, he's pretending he's seeing those for the first yeah. time. Like, it's like, we all know about? you just make a statement. Like, what are you trying to read those out loud? 
Yeah, it's like we all know you talked to your agent and PR like publicist beforehand, and you definitely knew the questions beforehand. And you're you're an actor. You're worth uh, like four hundred million dollars. Like we know you're good at your job. You're getting paid thirty million dollars next year from Apple for emancipation. Like we know this. It's just absurd. Like the, what they try to sell us, and I think it's not the way to go about it. Also, last thing on it, confirmed. They have not, Chris Rockingham did not speak after the Oscars, confirmed. So bogus reporting uh, after the Oscars saying that they met at the party or whatever, bogus. And yeah, like Chris Rock, don't blame him for not talking to him. I just felt like it happened a few months ago. And I'm just, once again, it's like staying in the conversation when it doesn't need to. It just felt like, okay, bro, like I get it. You're sorry. But I don't feel bad for you still. Like you have to go talk to him. Like, 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 like if he didn't respond to that video, what was the point? Like, why did you put it out there? It's more to like protect yourself to make sure everyone notices, hey, I still do care about my career. I still know I messed up, even though I made like probably the most egregious decision in the history of like maintaining public image. You know, it's just like it makes zero sense to me. And I'm like, if you want to put that out there, fine. But I, I really think less of you by doing so. And uh, if you want it that way, just to protect your career to make sure you're not going to be losing tens of millions of dollars, fine. You're going to do it for advertisers to show you're remorseful, fine. Just don't, you're not going to get my respect, my respect for it. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to sum it up, to be honest. I have nothing more to add there. All right. Well, yeah, I was not talking about that too long. What a jam-packed episode today, Ricky Flex. Holy cannolis. A lot of trailers, a lot of A-list spotlight, a lot of Marvel corner going on. So much to do. And so much to go through later on in the week. We are going to have a little Gray Man review. All right. Make sure also, yes, we're going to go through Netflix. We're going to go through their newest release. Their high, one of the most, was this their highest budget movie of all time, Ricky Flex? Yeah, 200 million. So, yeah. So we're, we're diving to the Russo brothers. Okay. We're, we might even do a little Super Pets later in the week. Who knows? Okay. Make sure you're tuning into your feed. Make sure you're following us wherever you're listening right now, whether that be on Spotify. Uh, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, wherever you listen. Make sure you hit that follow button. Make sure you're also following us on social media to stay up to date with all of this news that we just went through, right? Make sure you stay up to date with all this news, all these new trailers, okay? Make sure you're also following us on Instagram, right, for all these lovely graphics from the one and only Ricky Flex. Uh, make sure also on uh, one, of, one of our posts, right? Comment happy birthday to the birthday boy. All right. That's going to do it for episode 130 of the drive-in podcast for ricky flicks this is dr o until next time we are